Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to the beginning of a brand new series that I'm telling you, this is, not only is this going to hold your interest, it's going to give you valuable insights about how to live in victory despite all of this stuff that's happening in America and around the world. Uh, In fact, it's going to answer some questions for you that you otherwise could Spend a, waste a lot of time trying to study to find out. I do want you to study. I do want you to go and read the, the things that I'm teaching, the scriptures about them, just to see if you're in agreement with them or not, because you're the one that's got to really ultimately decide what you believe. Nobody else, me nor any other preacher or teacher, has the right to tell you what you should believe unless it is something that is absolutely clearly laid out in the scripture with no room for private interpretation or personal interpretation. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 17 and probably 18 before it's over with, and we're going to be talking about Mystery Babylon. Now, I want to say some things before we start reading this passage of scripture to make sure that we are all on the same page. One of the things that uh, troubles me so much when I so, you know, when I'll hear people talk about the Bible, is very seldom do many of the preachers and uh, even fewer of the believers actually know how to get the context of a passage of Scripture. Uh, we ignore more of Jesus' teaching than we do probably anything in the Bible. But here's the amazing thing. For example, um, all through the Gospels, Jesus will get ready to teach something. He'll say, this is a parable of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And then we will read that and we will ignore the context that this is a parable about the kingdom. And uh, we will we will make it about how to get saved. We'll make it about, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, how to earn righteousness or such nonsense as that. And and the result is, you know, we we interpret everything that we read based on what we determine the context to be. Book of Revelation is another great example of that. You know, the Book of Revelation opens with the fact that this is this is the revelation that of Jesus, you know, that God gave to John the apostle. Now, what's so incredible about that? The word revelation there comes from the Greek word apocalypse. Well, you know, we have redefine the word apocalypse to mean a horrible, you know, a horrible event of judgment and wrath, all that kind of stuff. That's not what it means. It does mean just a revealing or an unveiling. So we read the book of Revelation with the mindset that we're we're going to read this big, horrible thing that God's going to do in the earth, when in fact, uh, until you get to the wrath of God, which is the last three and a half years, of what the Bible calls uh, the tribulation, until you get to, get to there, God is not pouring any hardship on the earth. This is all the hardships that are created by the Antichrist and by the governments who align their policies with the Antichrist. 
And we missed the primary point of the book of Revelation, the primary point being this is supposed to be a revelation of Jesus, not a revelation of the end times, not a revelation of the Antichrist. And so instead of reading the book of Revelation and zeroing in on all the places where Jesus provides deliverance and protection, we read all the places where horrible things happen, and, and we don't build our faith up in Jesus. We, we terrify ourselves, and we make it where we're afraid to even read the Scripture. Well, the same thing happens here. And by the way, I mean, I could show you hundreds of places where the Bible clearly states what the context is, and we just totally ignore it and turn it into something else. And you'll discover why we do that as we go through here. But in Revelation 17, verse 1, it's the angel speaks to John and says, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now, everything that we're going to read, all these scriptures that seem to be kind of vague and mystical, every one of them, we're going to be able to uh, look at the scripture, determine ex exactly what they mean. And uh, I'm of the conviction that if the scripture does not provide me with a definition of something, then I probably don't need to know that. It's not, not as important as I'm, as I'm making it. So people read this passage of scripture about the great harlot. And again, we're not looking at it realizing that this harlot that deceives, it's talking about a spiritual harlot that deceives the whole world and prepares the world for the rising of the Antichrist. Instead, uh, uh, and, and therefore realizing that God is going to take th this this world power down in an instant. And, and in one fell swoop, suddenly this corrupt influence on the whole world is going to be gone. We're not looking, you, you know, we're not looking at what God's going to do to deliver us from the influence of the harlot. We're looking to try to figure out who the harlot is and, you know, and who the beast is, all this kind of stuff. So anyhow, I'm just going to give you some things I want you to have in your mind as we're going through these passages of scripture. Um, it says, you know, first of all, we're going to look at this from a perspective that what God is trying to show us is the judgment of the harlot. We don't need to get off track, and we don't need to understand everything about the harlot. There's some things that we do need to understand, and all those things are made clear in Scripture. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to identify uh, as much as the Bible tells us about the harlot without adding any sensationalism. And I'm going to probably give you the top three possibilities of, of how the harlot is functioning uh, in planet Earth today. We're going to talk about the strategy of the harlot so that you do not ignorantly get swept up into the strategy of the harlot. Uh, and then we're gonna we're gonna look at all what are the abominations of the heart because this, this scripture is gonna talk about the horrible abominations, and then we're gonna talk about and identify the dragon uh, that is controlled by the harlot, and then we're gonna uh, study the birth of the harlot or 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 how the harlot came into being or when the harlot came into being. So once we understand those spiritual roots, then we can understand everything that we need to know about the harlot and how to live free from the harlot. So you know what? You may want to pray right now and just, Father, you know, I'm opening my heart. 
I'm going to be teachable. Uh, I'm going to have a repentant heart and mind. I will surrender my opinions to you and whatever the scripture says so that I can know, understand, walk in your truth. All right, Revelation 17. So the angel speaks to John and says, come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. So we, we realize that, uh, you know, first of all, let me just say this, the waters, according to uh, what the angel tells John, represents people, represents really the populations of the earth, many waters. And water very often in scripture is uh, a reference to the population, to people. And um, so it says that this that, that she sits uh, uh, on many waters and she has committed fornication uh, with the kings of the earth. So this means that whatever her whatever her spiritual fornication is, it is focused first and foremost on the rulers, the governmental rulers of planet Earth. And it says, and she's committed fornication with the inhabitants of the earth. So because uh, because what she does and her spiritual fornication affects the leaders, then it affects the lawmakers, and then the lawmakers pass laws and create, you know, public education and all these kinds of things that uh, make people susceptible to the seduction of the great harlot. And so, and so the world gets drunk on the wine that, that the kings got drunk on and that, and that the harlot herself drinks. Verse three says, so he carried me away into the spirit or in the spirit into the wilderness. Now, wilderness is an interesting word in the Greek because it, it represents usually a region between two different areas or two, two different states. And that could be significant in understanding the harlot. But anyhow, so he goes on to say, and I saw uh, a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, we will get into the seven heads and ten horns. It is so easy to understand. I, I, I hear such ludicrous uh, um, interpretations of what the seven heads and ten horns mean, but it is, it is very, very clear in scripture. Uh, but keep in mind, uh, this beast or dragon that the woman sits on or the harlot sits on, uh, and the fact that she is sitting on this, on this beast represents the fact that she has control of this beast. And we're going to identify very specifically who this beast is based on uh, the, the interpretation or the explanation that this angel gives to the Apostle John. Then verse 4 says, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones, pearls. Uh, and so uh, you, have a, you have an allusion here to the concept of, of royalty, uh, wealth, and, and power, and influence. And... Uh, and so this is our first hint at this having something to do with 
again, with the concept of, of wealth and power, and also with, with a spiritual overtone. And we know this by her name, and we're going to go into that today. And it says, having in her hand the golden cup full of, of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. So she's drinking out of a cup, and we will later learn that in this cup is the blood of the saints, the blood of Christians, the blood of Jews. And, uh, uh, and she's drunk on this. And so this blood of Christians and Jews is something that is shared with the kings of the earth. It's sort of like, it's sort of like they're taking communion with this harlot. Now, to take communion means to become one with someone. In other words, you align yourself. Like when we take communion uh, as believers, we are supposed to be aligning, harmonizing ourselves with what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. But the kings of the earth, and so much of the population, is taking communion, if you will, with the harlot and becoming one with the harlot's values and goals and purposes. Uh, and it says, then on her name, and of course, th this all gets so, uh, excuse me, on her forehead is a name. And here's the name. Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Now, the harlot, uh, I'm just diving in here. By, by the way, I will have a very extensive audio teaching available for you on this because I'm going to go in the audio teaching. I'm going to go into such detail that it'll probably overwhelm a lot of people who prefer to watch these shorter videos. And so uh, be sure if you want to dive into this and get way more powerful and important detail, be sure and get the audio series. Plus, we use the resources, the financial resources that come in from these audio series to um, to reach the world, take the gospel all over the world. All right, so here we go. Now, the harlot is one of the most enigmatic yet insidious characters in the scripture. Now, I don't mean to be insulting, but I wanna, I'm going to define those two words to make sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the word enigmatic means difficult to interpret or understand and is actually mysterious. And then the word insidious is something that proceeds in a very gradual, subtle way, but has incredibly harmful effects. And so what we are facing with, uh, uh, with the harlot is something that, apart from the word of God, we're not going to understand. And uh, that means we're not, we're not going to recognize when we are participating and taking communion with a harlot. When we are, we're not even going to recognize when we are feasting on the blood of the saints and uh, the blood of the, of the believers, the church. And you know what's interesting? P people are always afraid they're going to accidentally take the mark of the beast. Well, the real truth is, as far as I can understand from Scripture, you can't accidentally take the mark of the beast. It has to be a choice. And for the people who are on planet Earth at that time, they will make a choice to, to trade their soul for food to eat and the ability to buy and sell goods and make a living. Now, um, I, think, I think the church 
the bride of Christ is going to be raptured and be delivered from that. I have a lot of reasons to believe that. Uh, if you read my book, Apocalypse, which I recommend that you that you get that and read that, if you want to understand the history of the world, how we got here, and what's coming next, uh, that would be a, a fantastic book for you to read. But uh, uh, with Mystery Babylon, Mystery Babylon is, is a very subtle, drawn-out process of brainwashing that eventually infects all of your belief, beliefs. It becomes the leaven that we are supposed to keep out of our lives, but we don't. it's so subtle, we don't even recognize that, that we're getting it. So with the mark of the beast, you have to make a choice to get that. But with the participation, what I call the communion with the cup of the great harlot, uh, yeah, you make choices, but very seldom because we have been so brainwashed by public education, by a media that capitalizes on false news, lies that are, have no basis of reality in, in real life. Uh, because, again, we, we have been systematically brainwashed through false science, through the, through the media, through our, through our public education system, and through the propaganda system. Uh, of the government. Uh, so it's taken close to 6,000 years to seduce the whole earth, to believe and accept the doctrines or you might say the life philosophies of this harlot. So, so again, enigmatic in that very difficult to understand, very mysterious, insidious, and that is so incredibly gradual and subtle, yet incredibly destructive, but it happens at such a creeping pace that you don't even notice it. Now, in the last, in the last 20 years, it is no longer uh, a hidden factor that our governments of the world are seeking to turn us away from God. They have they have worked to systematically remove all all vestiges of of faith and Christianity and and the Word of God. They've removed that from the public square so that you can't talk about it in school. You can't pray. You can't you can't uh, uh, you can't even define morality, ethics, and this sort of thing. Based on what the Word of God says anymore, you will you will be you will be tortured if you do that. So anyhow, the Great Harlot, first and foremost, is a system that combines government and religion. Now, uh, when government and religion combine, you have a situation like like many of the countries in the Middle East have right now, where. Uh, they want, for example, in, in Islam, they want to have a caliphate. And a caliphate is where the, the Muslim believers come together and they are under the rule of a religious leader. So the person that is determining the decisions of their government has to be a, a religious leader. And the religious leader has to really be the driving factor. Now, this is what happened 
that created the Dark Ages. This is what happened in the medieval church where the Pope had absolute control over the kings of Europe. As, you know, as some great teachers have said, you cannot understand the history of Europe if you do not understand the, the connection between uh, the Catholic Church and the kings of Europe. But uh, all the horrible things that were done in the name of God, uh, many of which were done directly by, you know, by the Vatican's own armies, but as often as not, it was kings who were functioning under the control or dominion of religious leaders who, if they came out and said, you know, everybody believes anything different than what we believe, uh, their heretics need to be burned at the stake. So you could get you could get a king to participate with. Interesting thing, by the way, let me just say this. One of the ways they got these kings to participate was let's say that let's say that it was common knowledge that a king had one or more mistresses or, or led an incredibly uh, uh, immoral life, then uh, then the Pope could uh, grant him an indulgence for either giving money to the church or for carrying out the evil deeds of, of the church. And, you know, in an indulgence, this is where, uh, because of whatever you do for the church or whatever you do for, uh, for the priest or give to the church, that that purchases you your salvation and gives you the permission to commit any of these sins you know, everything from murder to immorality to horrible, horrible, horrible acts of sadism and this sort of thing, but you bought your salvation. And so, you know, that's really how the church got as messed up as it did. And and you see a lot of this coming back now, just in, in more in more subtle ways. But uh, um, when they when a religious leader, and it's kind of interesting, in the Bible, the religious leaders and the political leaders, the kings, they could not come from the same tribes, uh, and they could not be one person. And this was one of the ways that the Bible uh, protected, uh, and it's not separation of church and state. There is, there is no such thing as separation of the church and state. There's no law to that effect. There's nothing in the Constitution about that. That was something that was written in a letter, and that doesn't even mean what, what they try to make it say now. But basically, even, even when God set up Israel's government, he did not want it where a king was the spiritual leader uh, because of the potential that that would, that would lend to, uh, to wickedness. So, it will the, the great harlot because what she is doing is is so insidious it is so hidden from the general public that by the time the antichrist steps on the scene the world will be ready for a leader a political leader that in fact is also a quote quote spiritual leader and as such can make laws that determine what what kind of religion is legal and acceptable make laws uh, 
uh, you know, for death and this sort of thing, penalty for people who practice any religion other than what the Antichrist desires. I got news for you. The top two on that list are going to be Christians and Jews. So now one of the reasons that we tend not to understand end-time prophecies, and man, the Bible is full of end-time prophecies. You know, there were over 300 prophecies in the Bible about the first coming of Jesus, and uh, people who have studied this far more than I have, they say that there are eight prophecies for every one that talk about the second coming of Jesus. That means there's over 2,000 prophecies about the second coming of Jesus. And, uh, uh, and man, we, we, we can actually easily understand what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what we need to do to prepare for it. Uh, but the problem is we have this tendency, like I say, to ignore what the Scripture says, and by default, we, we will lean to what the Bible calls private interpretation, where, where we're going to pick Scriptures uh, that fit what we want them to fit. And, uh, uh, and you know, I, I'll give you an example. For, you know, for, for example, we tend to confuse the Scriptures about the rapture and the second coming. And so, man, you've got crazy doctrine out there uh, about the second coming and about the rapture, and they're contradictory. You know, they, they make no sense at all. And it's because uh, people don't pay attention to what the Scripture says, and they will roll Scriptures about the second coming and the rapture into one. And I'm telling you, it gets incredibly, incredibly confusing. Uh, you know, in this situation, the harlot is riding a beast. Now, this beast, we know, is the Antichrist. So we know that this beast is the Antichrist. Well, another thing that, that we get into here is we roll together the works of the harlot and the works of the Antichrist, rather than realizing that not only are they separate things, separate events, but also we fail to realize that the beast actually destroys the harlot. So they can't be, I mean, they're both of the devil. They're both satanic, but they, they, they cannot be one and the same thing because uh, the beast destroys the harlot. So, you know, we've got to read and study and understand the scriptures. And the, the scriptures are what we call the Old Testament. And because we don't read and study the Old Testament, uh, we have this tendency to actually uh, not be able to really understand the New Testament. So, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into great detail here, but I want you to understand that, that the, the rise of the harlot is based largely uh, on Old Testament prophecies that help us to understand who the harlot is. But let me say this, I've only got a couple of minutes left. Again, be sure if you're interested to take a deep dive in this stuff, to order the audio series, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to open your eyes in incredible ways. It's going to help you be able to teach other people uh, about these truths without getting everybody confused. Uh, now, listen, I'm going to take you on a journey about making great decisions about how to face the times that are coming without getting into fear or trepidation about it. So, Share this with everybody that you think will benefit from this, and we'll jump in and take a deep dive next week.
Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.